Hey guys, and welcome back to the Detox Diaries podcast. Today we are going to be talking about sugar. So according to the American Heart Association, the average American consumes 77 grams of added sugar a day. That's three times more than the daily recommended value of 25 grams for women. And with children, it's even worse. So when we say added sugar, that's basically defined as anything that's added above and beyond a naturally occurring sugar. So if you're like, oh, I eat a lot of fruit, like that's good. Eat a lot of fruit. Naturally occurring sugars and fruit are good for us. They come with fiber. They're easy for us to metabolize. They're all sugars that are perfectly fine to be a part of our diet. When we're talking about added sugar, it's anything above and beyond that. So when you're reading an ingredient label, it will be listed as an added sugar. And when you are adding sugar to things yourself. So if you're like adding sugar to your coffee, that would be an added sugar. So speaking of that, beverages are the leading source of added sugars in our diets at 47%, followed by snacks at 31%. And I've mentioned this a few times before, but sugar is lurking in things that are not even sweet, things that you wouldn't even think it would be in there. My favorite example is my boyfriend buys this pad thai from Trader Well, he doesn't anymore, but he was buying this pad thai from Trader Joe's and it had 26 grams of sugar in it, which is insane because it's not even a sweet food and that's already at the recommended daily value for women. So you definitely want to make sure to read those ingredient labels and you don't want to be consuming foods that have more than 10 grams of sugar in a serving. And again, when we say serving, it's... Sometimes what's listed as a serving is not necessarily how much you plan on eating. So you need to be looking at it in terms of that. If it says that it's 10 grams per serving, but really that serving is something that you would be eating two of, so that's 20 grams. So you would want to only be eating the truly one serving. Um, And this is true of so many things. Like when you think of a 20 ounce ounce, bottle of Coke, there's 65 grams of sugar in that, which is totally insane. Um, And it's probably listed as like two and a half servings, but most people sit down and they drink that bottle of Coke in one sitting. So you want to make sure that you are paying attention to those serving sizes. You also want to make sure that you're looking at ingredient labels to see what types of sweeteners or sugars they contain. And we're going to get more into all of that right now. So sucrose, basically, we're going to kind of break down exactly what all these different types of sugar are. So sucrose is the formal name for table sugar, and it's made up of fructose and glucose. So 80% of sucrose is extracted from sugar cane. The rest is extracted from sugar beets. And it doesn't, something doesn't specify if it is cane sugar, which means that it comes from sugar cane. It's possible that it could come from sugar beets. So you want to make sure that you're buying it organic because sugar beets are a GMO food. And we are going to get into some more about GMOs and organics in another episode. So be sure to look out for that one. So what is glucose? Glucose, obviously, is part of what makes up table sugar, and it's what fuels our body. It's what our cells use for energy. So all of our cells, particularly those in our brain, require a steady supply of glucose at all times. So glucose is also what spikes our blood sugar. So carbohydrates are essentially long chains of glucose molecules. So When you have a simple carbohydrate, which means a simpler chain, like white flour, they break down into glucose more quickly and they cause those blood sugar spikes that sugar would. So in a lot of ways, our body recognizes white flour and simple carbohydrates kind of just the same as sugar because we metabolize them so quickly as that and they spike our blood sugar in that way. 
Whereas a complex carbohydrate, a longer chain, like oats or whole grains, don't cause those same spikes because they take longer to break down into glucose in our bodies. So that's why when I speak about eating carbohydrates, we always talk about eating complex carbs because they don't result in these blood sugar spikes and our body doesn't see them as sugar the way they would a simple carbohydrate. Then there is fructose, the other part of what makes up sugar, and it's much sweeter than sugar as a total. It's the portion of sugar that actually lights up those reward signals in our brains and has been compared to drugs like cocaine. And fructose itself doesn't spike our blood sugar. Instead, it actually travels to our liver and it is metabolized there and stored as fat. So in general, the fructose in fresh fruit, which is that is the sugars that are in fruit, it's not a health risk because of the fiber that comes along with it when you're eating a whole fruit. And fructose also is not our friend in general when it doesn't come with fiber because it doesn't trigger our full hormone, which is called leptin. So when we're eating fructose without fiber, we don't feel full from it. So it messes with our leptin signaling and not just when we're consuming things that have fructose, but also it just kind of starts to mess with it overall. So basically when we're talking about fructose, the, the big issue number one is the lighting up the reward signals in our brain that basically can form what truly can feel like an addiction for a lot of people to fructose or sugar. And then that it messes with our hormone signaling, signaling that tells our bodies when we are full. And then there is high fructose corn syrup, which is like sugar in the sense that it is made up of glucose and fructose, but the molecules aren't bound together. So the ratio can be tweaked of how much fructose and how much glucose there is. So fructose is sweeter, as we already mentioned, and it's also less expensive than sugar. So food manufacturers love that. And many soda manufacturers will dial up the fructose content as much as to as much as 95% of what makes up the high fructose corn syrup. So that makes the product less expensive and then of course more addictive. So we want to avoid high fructose corn syrup as much as possible. If you see that on a label, I really recommend not buying or eating that. So now how excessive sugar can impact our health. And there's a lot of ways. So first of all is insulin resistance. So basically when we consume glucose, our body, our pancreas excretes insulin into our blood so that it can move that sugar from our blood into our cells to be used as energy. And basically when this signaling is kind of happening excessively, when we're consuming excessive sugar, we start to wear out those cells. They, they kind of stop responding to that insulin. And it ends up then insulin resistance is a precursor to diabetes and other metabolic diseases. So basically what it is, is it's kind of like an exhausting of your cells from responding to the insulin and they just kind of give up on it. Hormone disruption is another huge one. So insulin is a hormone. So obviously it's impacting that, which is an issue. It also, as I mentioned previously, is messing with our leptin, which is our fullness hormone, which makes it hard for our body to understand when we're full, which... A lot of us, I'm sure, have issues with that. There are so many ways that we can feel disconnected from our body and really understanding if we're hungry or full or if it's emotional, and sugar just adds a whole nother layer onto this. It also can result in cortisol release in our bodies, which can impact our adrenals and many other hormonal systems. So basically, when we, we have what can end up being adrenal fatigue, because when we eat excessive sugar, we have blood sugar in our bodies, 
insulin will be pushed out of our pancreas and it moves the sugar into our cells. But when we eat a lot of sugar, our insulin response can be almost like overly so to the point where it pushes too much of that blood sugar into our cells. And then we are experiencing low blood sugar. So this is something that we can kind of think of as that blood sugar roller coaster. So when you have something that is full of sugar, you have this like massive spike of energy, you feel like you can do anything. And then a couple hours later, you're in the dip and you're tired and you just feel like you don't want to move basically. And basically at that point, it's because that insulin has done its job. It's pushed that sugar into your cells and now you're experiencing low blood sugar. But what happens in our bodies is that they want, our body wants balance. We don't want low, high. We want the natural state that we're supposed to be in. And when we have low blood sugar, as we know, we don't feel like doing anything. We're tired, we're sluggish. And that is something that our body recognizes as being a danger, a danger to our lives. We basically couldn't react if we needed to in a dangerous situation. So in that case, our adrenals will produce cortisol, which in turn has our liver release stored glucose into our bloodstream as a way of our adrenals getting back that homeostasis of the, the sugar that is in our bloodstream. But as we know, cortisol is already something that is a big issue for many of us. It is our fight or flight and stress hormone. A lot of us are in a state of constant fight or flight because of all the different stressors that are happening in our lives. And when that's happening, we are either in one or the other, basically. In our nervous system, there is our sympathetic nervous system, which is fight or flight, cortisol, adrenaline, all of those things. And then there is our parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest and digest. And we want to be spending the majority of our lives in that rest and digest place, of course, because obviously we want to be able to digest our food, but we also want to be living from a place of kind of like comfort and ease, not from a place of high stress, you know, your pulse going like crazy, all of those things that come with being in that fight or flight response. So this is just one other way that we contribute to our adrenals being overworked, releasing cortisol, and of course, turning off our digestion. So when this happens that our body can only be doing one. So if you're in fight or flight, you're not digesting. And that of course has all of its own results that are not good for our health. And then the other thing that can come with adrenal fatigue <clears throat> is that it can affect all of our other hormonal systems like our thyroid. And then that just kind of sets off a whole nother chain reaction. But as we know, everything is just so interconnected with our hormones. So the fact that sugar has such an impact on them is a big reason why we definitely want to stay away from having excessive sugar. The next up is our gut. So this is the other huge system in our body. Really everything is about our hormones and our gut. So our gut microbiome influences everything from our immunity, our ability to detox, our moods, and so much more. And basically, as we, I think most of us know at this point, we have all of this gut bacteria, or as people like to call them, our gut bugs. And they are basically the determinant of all of those things, immunity, detox, moods, depending on the health of those bugs. So when we eat healthy foods like plant foods and good fibers, we are feeding the good gut bugs that make us feel great. And when we are eating things like sugar, they feed the bad gut bugs. And then they can result in all kinds of issues in our gut, like dysbiosis, which basically means that the bad gut bugs outnumber the good gut bugs, or leaky gut, which basically is when the our intestinal lining and our gut has a literal leak in it and things that are undigested or toxic to our system start leaking into our body and they're obviously not supposed to do that. 
And that leads to the next thing that sugar does, which is it has us feeling inflamed. So basically, when you have leaky gut, every time you eat or really consume anything, like even environmental toxins, all of those kinds of things that could be passing through your digestive tract, they can then end up leaking into the rest of your body in a way that they are not intended to do. And what happens then is your immune system creates an inflammatory response. And this is something that is natural. It's something that is good. When your body sees a foreign invader, it is supposed to fight that off. Same thing kind of is like how we look at our cortisol and fight or flight. Those are good things when it's a, you know, acute situation where you're dealing with something in the moment and then it's supposed to be over and you're supposed to go back to your natural relaxed state. The issue is that all of these things are becoming chronic in our lives. So that's what ha is happening with inflammation. It's not just like it's a virus and your body is, you know, giving yourself a fever for a couple days and then it fights it off and it's done. No, this is every single time you're eating something, it is moving its way into the rest of your body, creating an inflammatory response that is pretty much happening all the time. And inflammation can display in many different ways. It can be anything from bloating or skin rashes or different kinds of pain. And then it can obviously get so much worse than that in a way that it is impacting our immunity overall. So when your immune system is in this constant state of basically fighting against things that you're just doing naturally by eating three times a day, or at least, which is what you're supposed to be doing, it's constantly overworking by working on those things that are leaking into your body. And then what can end up happening sometimes is that when there's so many things that your immune system is finding is an enemy in your own body, it starts to get confused. And it can start to see things that are actually not foreign invaders or not bad for you as being the enemy. So this is what autoimmune diseases can be. This is how they can be triggered is when you start kind of like fighting against your own body because your immune system just can't tell the difference anymore because it's so overworked. The other thing that it can cause is allergies, which is, again, just like thinking that things that weren't necessarily bad for you previously now are. And then, of course, when your body is so, or your immune system is so overworked fighting itself and fighting things that you're just eating, it's really hard for it then to be fighting when there actually is something that's a true foreign invader like an outside pathogen. So again, all really important. All of these things are connected, your gut health, your inflammation, your immunity, and those are all really closely linked to eating excessive sugar. And then the big one that I feel like most of us definitely know is that it turns on fat storage. So when you consume more glucose than your body actually needs to convert to energy, because obviously, as we know, we do need some of it, but many of us are consuming far more than we need, then that additional glucose ends up being stored as fat. So then the other piece of this puzzle is, of course, now, I mean, now you know all of these reasons. Maybe you had known some previously. I think at this point, many people know that sugar is really not very good for us, but it's so addicting. So let's dig a little bit into that so that you can kind of feel a little bit validated as to why it's probably hard for you to give it up. And that's totally natural and normal. But once you learn all of these things and you can kind of like learn some trips, tricks to like snap yourself out of this cycle, it will definitely help. So why is sugar so addicting? First of all, it is that blood sugar roller coaster. When we eat the sugar, it spikes our blood sugar. Our pancreas releases insulin. Then, as I said, it moves the insulin into our cells and out of our blood. And then we kind of have that low energy dip. And then when you have that low energy dip, 
before your adrenals are necessarily kicking in to release that glucose, your body is like, eat something. I need sugar. I need some form of energy. And that is why you're in this constant state of eating, feeling good, feeling bad, eating again. And it just keeps kind of on this roller coaster. And you're actually craving those things that are sugary because that is what your body knows to provide the glucose that it needs. It just doesn't necessarily know to tell you you're eating too much of it. Mostly because of this reason, which is it completely messes with our fullness hormone of leptin. So as we spoke about before, fructose messes with that. We don't feel full from it. And then it can mess with our signaling overall. Also, as we talked about before, the reward signaling. The fact that fructose is sweeter than sugar, it lights up those reward signals in our brain. It's literally been compared to cocaine and other really intense and addicting drugs. And people are truly addicted to sugar. So you know, you need to give yourself a break if you're having some of these issues and understand that there are ways for you to kind of move past it, but don't beat yourself up. Like a lot of this, it's not emotional. It's, it's really, it's biological. (laughs) So there are ways though to break away from it. But if you are someone who does feel truly addicted and has some of, you know, those feelings of like truly feeling like it's, it's lighting up those signals in your brain, really feeling like you can't break free of it, as we're kind of talking through some natural sugar alternatives, you probably want to try and cut most of those out as well because they will probably also have the same effects. Um, so you might want to kind of go a little more cold turkey. And then, of course, there is the emotional component of everything. We all know the foods that are best to avoid. We know what's healthier for us in some sense, but it doesn't mean that it's easy to make those choices. And our emotions are so closely linked to our relationship with food and sugar, especially. We have so much of a connection with sugar of being comfort, of being like, I don't know, it just reminds us of like childhood and rewards. And like, there is just so much that's so closely linked to sugar that it can take some time to like kind of break those things apart and move past some of that addiction. So now we're going to talk about some natural sugar alternatives, and some of them have some great health benefits, but they do still contain fructose and glucose like sugar does. So again, you know, they're not necessarily lower in calories. They may still have the same blood sugar spikes, sugar cravings, all of that stuff. So if you are really struggling with your kind of like potential addiction to sugar, it's probably a good idea to cut these out. But generally speaking, they are better alternatives for when you are going to be using sugar. So raw honey is a great one. It's packed with tons of enzymes and antioxidants. It helps to neutralize free radicals in our body. It helps to promote healthy gut bacteria in our digestive tract. So that is obviously like the opposite of what we were saying before with just plain old table sugar. Maple syrup is another great source of lots of antioxidants. It has manganese, calcium, zinc. Um, It also helps to neutralize free radicals and reduce oxidative damage. So that is another really great option. That's actually one of my favorites. And then date and date sugar. So these can be great when you're baking. They have potassium, copper, iron, magnesium. They're really easily digested. They can help you metabolize other macronutrients. They can help reduce LDL cholesterol, which is the bad cholesterol. And date sugar is basically just ground up dates. So it's all the same positives there. But that's one where you couldn't necessarily like put it in your coffee because it's not going to dissolve the same way some of the other things would. 
Then coconut sugar is another great one. It has a low glycemic index and a rich mineral content, which is great for people who are diabetic or have high blood pressure. But again, it's still sugar. So all these things, we still need to be paying attention to how much we're using of them. They're not like a get out of jail free card kind of thing for sugar. Agave nectar is another great one. It's a plant that grows in Mexico. It's been used as a medicinal plant and it's a great sweetener. Um, You do want to make sure that it's agave nectar, though, and not agave syrup, because agave syrup is extremely processed, and in a lot of ways, it's actually seen as being pretty much as bad as high fructose corn syrup can actually have as much fructose. So definitely want to make sure you're reading those labels and looking for agave nectar, not agave syrup. And then brown rice syrup. So this is made from brown rice. As we know, there is lots of great um, antioxidants and things like that in brown rice, So this is another great option. You'll see it used in packaged foods like salad dressings and sauces and things like that. And then there are a couple non-sugar sweeteners that I recommend for people who want to try and make sure that they're really breaking free from that blood sugar roller coaster. If you think that you have more of an addiction, this is a good opportunity or an option for you to try. Stevia is my favorite. Um, It is a plant native to South America. It supports healthy blood sugar levels and weight loss. It's very sweet, though. It's up to 100 to 200 times sweeter than sugar. So you want to be really careful when you're adding it to things because it can. It, it's very sweet. So just add little bits and test it out. You also want to make sure that you're choosing pure stevia and organic stevia, 100% pure organic stevia. Um, other ones will contain like bulking agents like maltodextrin or added flavors. You want to avoid that. Make sure that you're getting the pure organic version. And then monk fruit, which is a small melon grown in the mountains of Chile. Um, and it is a really great option for, um, low calorie sweetness of fruit. A lot of people on like keto diets and things love this. It has, um, no carbohydrates and no calories. So, Stevia and monk fruit, really great options if you are trying to break free of that whole blood sugar roller coaster and reward signaling that can happen with the other even natural versions of sugar. And then big, big one here that I cannot stress enough is stay away from artificial sweeteners. Studies show that artificial sugar sugar substitutes can potentially increase your risk for weight gain, metabolic syndrome, type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, they actually rewire your brain chemistry and metabolism, and they're extremely addictive. So basically, they mess with our brains because we're consuming something that's sweet, but it doesn't have any calories. And our body wants calories to feel satiated. So it it kind of like confuses all of that signaling, and then we feel like we need more in order to actually sustain us and give us the sugar or the glucose that we need. So it kind of creates this like weird loop where our brain is just confused because it's getting the trigger of the sweetness, but it's not getting anything that makes us feel full or any glucose that feeds our cells. So these are tricky too, because they're not going to show up on a label as sugar, because again, they aren't sugar. So if you're looking at added sugars, you won't necessarily see these. So you definitely want to read the ingredient labels and look for saccharin, acylfame, aspartame, which is the most common one, 
neotame, and sucralose, which is another common one. So sucralose is what's in Splenda. Aspartame is what is in like most diet sodas and things like that. So definitely, definitely, if you want something sweet, just go for the real thing. It's so much better than going for fake. So, I mean, that's pretty much the gist of what sugar can do to our bodies. And then it's kind of like, well, what do we do with this information? So I recommend starting with the beverages that you're drinking. Again, this is where like a lot of these sugars and things can be hiding. You would be shocked if you hadn't looked at ingredient labels previously, how much sugar is in so many things. You definitely want to check that out. Um, also when you are having like a coffee or a tea, and if you typically do add a sweetener, I recommend experimenting with a stevia or a monk fruit instead of regular sugar and definitely instead of artificial sweeteners. Then I would move on to any packaged foods you eat. Again, you'll be shocked. Granola bars, things like that. Tons of, tons of sugar in that stuff. So you definitely want to be checking that out. And then also building your awareness around white products. So white flour, bagels, white bread, white pasta, white rice, all of those things, you're going to metabolize those essentially the same as you would sugar. So kind of my biggest tip is, as we know, our body is on a blood sugar roller coaster when we start consuming sugar. So when you have a breakfast that is made up of a lot of sugar, which many of us do, most people start our days with granola bars or cereals, bagels, all of those things, it's really hard to bounce back from that as the day goes on because you're already setting yourself up to be in that whole up and down phase and your body's gonna have a really hard time kind of like balancing itself out from there. So I really, really recommend at least starting your day with something that doesn't have sugar in it, at least doesn't have uh, not natural sugar in it. So I am a huge proponent of smoothies. I love my ultimate detox smoothie. I also have a sweet green smoothie that I love to make. And really it's just about having it packed with greens. I always use spinach. I feel like you don't really taste it. At least half of it is made of spinach. And then all these delicious fruits. So I always include banana, I include, um, avocado, berries, mango, pineapple. I mean, they're really so delicious and you can mix and match all of your favorite things in there. Everything's packed with fiber and nutrients. I put the avocado in there because it's a fat and it stabilizes your blood sugar because you're pairing it back to those fruits, which as we know, really it's fine because they come with fiber, but why not just throw some more fat in there? And this is just a great way to start off your day in a place where you are balancing your blood sugar and you can make better decisions as the day goes on. Because again, it all is so closely linked. It's biological, but it also is so mental, emotional in so many ways. So I really hope that this was helpful for you guys. If you have any questions about sugar, I would be happy to answer them. And if you're kind of like trying to implement this into your day to day and you're finding that you're really struggling, I am always here to help. I offer free one-on-one -on -one consultations. And in, in those consultations, we will talk about the things that you have been holding you back, the goals that you have. And I, I just did a podcast that went really in depth into this. So if you're interested, I definitely recommend you listening to that. Signing up for a consultation, a free consultation is there is no obligation to then sign up for coaching. If you just want to vent to someone, if you just want to talk to somebody about what you've been going through in terms of your struggles with some of your health goals, I would be so happy to be that person and support you. So definitely I will link up to everything in the show notes in terms of where you can sign up for a free consultation or to learn more about my one-on-one -on -one coaching program. And I 
I'm so happy to have you guys here listening. Please also send me any recommendations, anything that you would love to hear me talk about next, and I will see you on the next one. Bye.